Indeed, let's open that mighty word of God together. Would you find the gospel of John chapter 10? All right, John chapter 10. As you're finding that, you know, um, I think I've finally reached the age where I'll walk into another room and forget why. Any of y'all ever done that? Okay, good. All of us old timers, not alone. You're way too young to do it. You haven't done that yet. You have? Y'all's too young. I had this older fellow in our church a while back come up to me and say, hey, Sherm, guess what? What, man? The other day, I walked into another room and remembered why. <laughs> and then he said, it was the bathroom, but hey, I'm still chalking that up as a win, right? <laughs> Well, you know, here we come into this Christmas season and, uh, you know, it's kind of the hustle and bustle of the season and sort of what we've made it into, you know, what we've turned Christmas season into as a culture. Uh, like the Hallmark Channel has turned it into, what's Christmas about? Finding your true love, right? Well, the Hallmark Channel turns everything to finding your true love, I think. But you know what I'm saying, just the hustle and bustle of the season, an opportunity to shop and do whatever. And so Eric and I thought, you know what? You know what would be good? You know what would be healthy for us as a church? just to kind of go back and ask and answer the question, why? Why Christmas? Why did Jesus come? That's the question we're going to ask and answer over the next few weeks. And fortunately for us, there's some passages in the Bible that answer that question succinctly. And this is one of them. In the Gospel of John chapter 10, we're going to start at the beginning of the chapter for context. All right, here we go. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up by some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep listen to his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts all his own sheep outside, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. However, a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus told them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what the things which he was saying to them meant. And so he said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All those who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And here's our verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came. Why did Jesus come? I came, he said, so that they would have life and have it abundantly. Okay, there it is. So to understand what's going on here, we have to grab this, uh, grasp this mental picture. Here it is. Let me show you that this is a sheep pen from ancient times, and you can just picture it. There's this huge field with grass, and you're a shepherd, and you got sheep, and what the shepherds would do, they would kind of pull up together, and they would take the stones, and they would build a wall for their sheep so that when the sheep needed to rest, and when the shepherd needed to rest, he would guide his sheep into the sheep pen, and there was only one way in and one way out, and he would lay in the doorway of the sheep pen so that the sheep wouldn't get out and so that no wolves could get in. Now, so here's an artist's rendering of what that would have looked like if it was uh, intact. So there you see the sheep, there you see the sheep pen, and there you see the shepherd laying in the doorway of the sheep. So with that in mind, now we've got to go back to the scripture and identify the, the players here in our story, okay? First is the sheep. Well, beloved, I got news for you. We're the sheep, all right? And um, how do I say this? That's not exactly a compliment, 
All right. How many, any of y'all raised sheep? Anyone here raised sheep? You have. Okay. They're not the sharpest knives in the drawer, are they? No. I mean, they're sweet and fluffy and all that, but they're not super sharp. And they're kind of um, defenseless, right? That's, I mean, there's a reason, like Max Lucado said, there's a reason why sheep are never the mascots for sports teams, right? <laughs> they're not intimidating at all, right? Um, so that's us. We're the sheep, and just to be honest with you, that's not a compliment, all right? But then there are these thieves that Jesus talked about. He said that the thief is the one who climbs over the wall to steal the sheep, and that's the kind of the stealing that we're used to when we think about stealing. We think about someone coming and stealing our stuff. This happened to me a long time ago when I got an apartment. Someone kicked my door in and stole some of my stuff. He was a very, very disappointed thief, though, because I didn't have much. Um, have any of you ever been robbed? Remember that? Okay, yeah. You feel kind of violated, right? I mean, that's my stuff. That's not your stuff. That's my stuff. That's the kind of thievery we're used to. But, but, but thievery, if you will, stealing has kind of morphed and grown over the years. There's this uh, new kind of thievery called intellectual property theft. I think China's done this with our country, where they steal our ideas, our technologies, and our innovations. You can steal that. And then there's this new kind of thievery in the financial world, like this. These two people right here are, became famous just recently for this. The lady on your left, that's Elizabeth Holmes. She was the CEO of a company called Theranos. And she was a Stanford graduate, really bright girl. And she claimed to have invented a product that all you had to do was take a drop of your blood and put it into this device, and it would tell you all about your health. It was a health tech company. It became this multi-billion dollar company. She became a multi-billionaire. The problem was, it was a farce. She lied. She stole billions of dollars. And so for that, she'll spend 11 years in jail or prison. The guy on your right, that's Sam Bankman Freed. If you're watching the news at all, last week, this guy got busted. He was the CEO of a company called FTX, which is some kind of cryptocurrency exchange company. I don't understand it, so I'm not going to talk about it. All I know is it was a hoax. He's a fraud. He was this multi-billionaire woke dude by his own description, and now he's broke, and he's going to hopefully spend some time in jail as well. That's the kind of thievery that makes the news in our culture. But beloved, there's a whole different kind of thievery that I want us to be aware of. That's spiritual thievery. And the Bible says there are a couple of culprits who are spiritual thieves. If we go back in our context, Jesus said in verse 8, all those who came before me are thieves and robbers. So in other words, there were people before Jesus who also claimed to be the Messiah. There were other false teachers who came before Jesus. And they're all, they're all phonies. They're all fake. They're all uh, counterfeits. Speaking of which, do you, do you know how the Secret Service is able to tell a real dollar bill or $10 bill in this case from a fake one? It's because they study the real one intensely. They study the real dollar bill, the $10 bill, so much, they know it inside and out, backwards and forwards, all of its intricacies, so that when they see a fake one, they can spot it instantly. Beloved, there are false teachers out there in our world today, on YouTube, on the radio, on TV, all around you. My strong encouragement to you would be, if I can just speak as a brother, is that you study the original you study the real deal book of grace and truth so intently backwards and forwards that when you hear something that's counterfeit, you know it instantly. So you can just flush it. Are you with me? All right. 
So the first culprit of um, spiritual thievery are false teachers. The second is what the Bible calls forces of darkness. This is in Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Okay, what's that? Well, first of all, hey, friends and neighbors, you're a person of faith. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. You got some faith. You know what faith is? You know what the Bible definition of faith is? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things, what? Not seen, you know it. So in other words, may I remind you, as a person of faith, you believe in what you cannot see. We believe in air, but you can't see it. We believe in God, can't see him. We believe that there are spiritual beings, both good and bad, fallen and unfallen, who are real, even though we can't see them. According to the scriptures, there was this group of angels. Lucifer was an angel. He led a revolt. God kicked them out of heaven. And now the angel Lucifer is the devil. He's Satan. And now he is the uh, commander-in-chief of an army of fallen angels who is the spiritual forces of darkness. And they more than want you to just have a bad day. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And again, beloved, when we think about stealing and killing and destroying, most of us, I think, think in the physical realm. And it may end up there, but again, remember, these are spiritual forces of darkness. They want to attack you from the inside out. They want to steal your joy. They want to kill your hope. They want to destroy your faith. That's why you have to put on the full armor of God so that they won't do that. They're very real. They want to uh, steal from you. They want to rob you spiritually. So again, here's our context then for our story. We're sheep. We're pretty helpless and defenseless. And we've got this army of dark spiritual forces who are trying to steal and kill and destroy us from the inside out. You see our situation here. That's why, beloved, we are in desperate need of a hero. We're in desperate need of rescue. And into our world steps Jesus, who said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they would have life and have it abundantly. That's why Christmas. That's why he came, so that you would have life. Okay, let's talk about, first of all, life. What does it mean to have life? This is new life or eternal life, and this is possible because Jesus Christ is the door. In verse 9, he said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. So go back to this image with me where Jesus is, as the shepherd, sitting across the doorway in the sheep pen, all right? He's the door. The sheep pen, if you will, is the sheep pen of salvation, as a sheep, you're in the sheep pen, you're safe, you're secure, you're saved. And if you want to get into the sheep pen of salvation, there's only one door, and that's Jesus. He said, first of all, if anyone enters, if anyone, this is the gospel, if anyone, in other words, think about this, the wideness of this field. If anyone 
wants to come, you can come. Doesn't matter your background. Everyone here in this room this morning, I get to tell you, God loves you. He loves the world so much. He sent his one and only son and he did it for you. If anyone, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter what you've done. If anyone would come, whosoever will come may come. Jesus said, if anyone enters through the door, I am the door. Here's where the gospel gets exclusive. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. There is only one door into the sheep pen of salvation, and his name is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Whosoever will come may come through the door. But if you enter through the door of Jesus Christ, I have great news for you. You get new life. Here's how the book of Romans puts it in chapter 6. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live, here it is, a new life. So when you come to identify with Jesus Christ by faith, you don't just believe he lived and died on a cross and rose again as a fact of history. You come to believe it as your personal salvation. You take him personally. You receive him into your life. And when you do that, when you walk through the door by grace through faith of Jesus Christ, you get new life. You get resurrection life. The old life is gone. The new life has come. And this new life in him, bro, it's not just some puny life. It's not just some paltry life. He came to give you abundant life and he can give you new life because he's the door and he can give you abundant life because he's the shepherd. Check this out. Verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Beloved, there is no greater love than anyone than this that he what? Lays down his life for his friends. I have great news for you. Jesus Christ loves you abundantly. How do you know? He laid down his life for you. Abundant life begins when you believe and receive the abundant love of God for you through Jesus Christ. He loves you abundantly. Abundant life begins there. So what is abundant life then? It begins with the abundant love of God. But you got to think like, okay, remember, this is a shepherd metaphor he's using. So we got to think like a sheep. What does abundant life look like for a sheep? Well, I started thinking about that, and then it hit me. Someone's already thought about that. And his name was David, the shepherd boy. He thought about that too. Matter of fact, he wrote a song about it. We call it Psalm 23. Many of you know this psalm, one of the most famous psalms of all. It's the shepherd psalm, but it's really the sheep psalm. And God gave me fresh, I think, insight and eyes into this famous psalm. Many of you know it as well. But I'd like for us to look the rest of our time at Psalm 23. If you want to turn there, you may. I'm going to put all the verses on the screen also. But this is, this is the abundant life. Psalm 23 is the abundant life. It begins, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'll be honest with you. I know the psalm backwards and forwards. I've read it hundreds of times. But when I read that line in my study last week, the Lord is my shepherd, I'll just, I don't know how else to describe this. The Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks and it hit me for the first time. Everything that follows that line, the whole rest of Psalm 23 is only true for those 
who know the Lord as their shepherd. That's why at Trinity, we're not trying to make Christians. We're trying to develop fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, because that's what it means to have the Lord as your shepherd. It means you follow him. He's your shepherd. He says, stay, you stay. He says, go, you go. He says, be quiet, you're quiet. He says, speak, you speak. You follow him. He's your shepherd. Not just your savior, but your shepherd. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your shepherd, this abundant life is true for you. First, you get abundant, abundant life in him because you shall not want. Let's call that abundant satisfaction. To be in want means to be in need, all right? Abundant satisfaction. This is like what Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4. Whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst again, he said. There's a, there's a spiritual satisfaction that only God can give you. Like Blaise Pascal said, there's a, there's, a, there's a hole in the heart of every person that only God can fill. Spiritual satisfaction. Plus, like Paul told the church in Philippi, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, right? God will supply your needs, not your greeds, but your needs, right? There is satisfaction in Jesus Christ, abundant satisfaction. Next, there's also abundant peace. This passage says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. That's abundant peace. What does it mean to think, you gotta think like a sheep now. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. What does that mean? Well, I needed some help understanding this. So I read a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's by a guy named Philip Keller. He was a shepherd in East Asia. So he studied the, the sheep psalm of Psalm 23, and he identified that there are four criteria that he's observed. In order for a sheep to lie down, four things have to be true. He's got to be, first of all, free from all fear. If a sheep is afraid, it won't lie down. First has got to be, these are all Fs. I tried to make them all memorable for you. They're all Fs. Okay, the first F is free from all fear. The second F is that the sheep has to be free from all friction. In other words, they have to be at peace with one another in the sheep fold, all right? They got to be getting along, no friction with other sheep. Third is flies. They've got to be free from all pests. If you got right around you, you're not going to lie down. The fourth F is food. You have to be free from all hunger. You have to be fully content, satisfied. If you're free from all fear, free from all friction, uh, free from all flies, and free from the uh, fear of hunger, you'll lie down. That's abundant peace. Now think about you as a sheep of Jesus Christ. Beloved, you are free from all fear. Jesus told us, do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything with thanksgiving present your request to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As a sheep of Jesus Christ, you are free from all fear, but the fear of God. Secondly, free from all fr uh, friction. This is you getting along with other people. Romans 12, as far as it depends on you, you live at peace with everyone. Free from all flies. These are the, the little things in this world that used to drive you crazy, the small things, but now that you have an eternal perspective, you're like, eh, so what TCU loses in the Big 12 championship? Eh, so what? Life goes on. It's all right. It's just a fly. Swat it, right? All right. And then food. God's gonna supply all your needs. As a sheep 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, in your spirit, he makes me lie down. That's abundant peace. Next, he restores my soul. That's abundant restoration. Don't you love this about the Lord? Anytime you want, you can go to the Lord and be restored. David did this. Remember, David screwed up. He came to the Lord and he said, God, um, have mercy on me. Psalm 51, according to your unfailing love and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He'll do that. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can go to the Lord anytime and be restored. And here's what hit me fresh. What did God say? I will restore your what? Soul. He restores my soul. So it hit me. God doesn't want to just restore us to him. He also wants to restore you to you. He doesn't just restore us to himself. He restores you to yourself, to who he made you to be. Because sometimes we can get off track. But he can restore you to who he made you to be, the life he, he wants you to live. He restores your soul. And he leads us in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Let's call that abundant direction. We get the leadership of the Lord, and I believe he does this through his Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many are those who find it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and few are those who find it. I don't know about your experience walking with the Lord. Mine is that the road of righteousness is narrow and it's easy to get off. But when we, like the Bible says, keep in step with the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When we do that, he leads us down the path of righteousness. That's abundant direction. Verse four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Beloved, that's abundant protection. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I first came to faith in Jesus Christ, I was a junior in high school. And I grew up in the generation that got whoopings. Anyone else get a whooping? Okay, my gym teacher had this metal stick whew, right in the class, right in front of God and everybody. He'd whoop you. So when I came to Christ and I read this passage that God Almighty has a rod in his hand, that was not comforting to me. How in the world is that comforting? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me? He's going to whoop me. Well, you got to think like a sheep. And it's talking about your shepherd that has the rod and the staff. Now, what do shepherds use a staff for? Well, in full disclosure, they will use it to discipline you if they have to. If you get too far out of line, you misbehave, he'll get you back in the fold if he has to. He'll discipline you if he has to because he loves you. But you know what they use it for the most? To fight for you, to beat off the wolves that are trying to attack you. My beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ is your defender. He's your protector. I, I'm fully convinced that when we get to heaven, we'll see that there are so, I know that bad stuff happens to us and in this world, but there is so much good and there's so much that God has protected us from that we don't even know. But one day we will. The fact that our shepherd has a rod and a staff in his hand, that comforts us. We have abundant, abundant comfort, abundant protection in his name.
Okay, two more. Are you with me? Two more. Verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. My cup overflows. Beloved, that is abundant blessing. Now he's turning to a hospitality metaphor. And so we got to understand the Jewish culture here. Okay, so go back with me to biblical times. You're a Jew. You're traveling. Now, there, there was no Uber back in biblical times, all right? So you traveled by foot. And second of all, there were no Motel 6s back in biblical times, so you would need a place to stay. So you're traveling from town to town. You're on foot. It's hot. You got your sandals on. It's dirty. You walk into a house, and you're expecting hospitality from your Jewish brothers and sisters. Well, the first thing they would do for you when you enter in their house is anoint you with oil. Now, this is a sign of blessing. In other words, you're blessed here. You're welcome here. We accept you. But in full disclosure... If you've been walking out in the heat in the dusty roads and you come into a house, what's wrong with you? You stink. So getting anointed with oil is kind of like them also spraying you with Axe spray. It's kind of like, right? Well, you're welcome here. Really kind of like that, all right? So it's a blessing. Welcome into our house. You'd prepare them a table of food and you'd pour them a glass of wine. That's it. That's hospitality. And that's the, the word picture that David wants to give you when you approach the throne room of God, the abode of God, when you do through Jesus Christ, God says, welcome in. Hey, okay, now welcome in. I've cleansed you. I've prepared you for my holy presence. Come on in. Here's, here's plenty to eat. Here's plenty to drink. Be refreshed. Be fulfilled be satisfied in my presence. In Psalm 16, it says that there are, there's joy in the presence of the Lord and pleasures forever at his right hand. The only place you will find him is when you enter into the abode of God through Jesus Christ. There is an abundance of blessing. That's the abundant life. And then finally, last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hey, that's abundant hope, y'all. <laughs> that's abundant hope. Look again with me at this passage. So you have abundant hope in this life and in the life to come if the Lord is your shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's this life right now. That's the one life that you get to live. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. You get one life. This is it. But as a sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me in this life. Now notice, again, I meditate on this. Notice that it will follow you. It doesn't mean that you won't experience hardship or trials or persecution. In this world, you will. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. But his goodness and mercy will follow you. He will chase after you with it. You will experience the goodness and the mercy of God. He is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Yesterday, we buried a kid that I knew. I watched him grow up, and he died in a tragic motorcycle accident. Man, I've been grieving all week. But I believe that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And yesterday we experienced by being together the goodness and the mercy of God. It's not that bad things won't happen. It's that God will follow you. He will chase after you with his goodness and mercy. Not just in this life, but in the life to come. There's abundant hope. I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. That's the security of our salvation. When you know the Lord Jesus Christ as the door and as the shepherd, you can stay with utmost confidence, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My beloved, that is abundant hope. He came to give you life as the door and an abundant life as the shepherd. I came so that you may have life and have it abundantly. That's why. That's why Christmas. That's why he came. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of life and of abundant life in your Son, Jesus Christ. Man, we were desperately in need of a hero, of a Savior. So, for anyone here in this room this morning, if you're here this morning and you've been trying to do life on your own, first things first, there's an opportunity for you right now, wherever you're seated, to enter through the door of Jesus Christ. With whatever faith you have, with whatever knowledge of the Bible you have, that's enough. It's enough. Just say, Lord, I come to you. I need you. I want to come through the door of Jesus Christ. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe he's the Savior. I believe he died, was buried, and rose again. And I believe he did that for me. Come through the door of Jesus Christ and enter into the sheep pen of salvation. And now just follow him. Where he says, go, you go. When he says, stay, you stay. When he says, do this, you do that. When he says, don't do that, you don't do that. Just follow him and enjoy the abundant life that he and only he can give. That's why he came, that you may have life and have it abundantly. For his great namesake, we pray. Amen.